I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Okay, today we're going to talk about spirit-led prayer. Ian Bounds once said, God shapes the world through prayer. The more prayer there is in the world, the better the world will be. Now, the specific kind of prayer that we're talking about is the prayer of intercession. And we're going to take our text from Ezekiel chapter 22. We're not going to read the whole entire chapter, but basically Israel is in trouble. Israel is in the furnace. Israel's in sin. There's several things that's going on. It's happening with the prophets. It's happening with the priests. They violated the law. Um, the princes are uh, in her midst are like wolves, uh, teaching the prey to shed blood and to destroy the people. And the prophets have plastered them with untempered mortar, the scripture says, seeing false vision, visions, lies, etc., etc. The people of the land have used oppression. They're committing robbery. They're mistreating the poor and the needy. And they have wrongfully oppressed the stranger. And God sees the condition of Israel. He sees the condition of the land. And he says, right here in verse 30, he said, So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But in this case, God said, I found none. Notice he said, I sought for a man among them that would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land. In other words, I need somebody to lay one hand on me and one hand on the land so that I, could show, so that I don't destroy it. Now, the outcome of not finding an intercessor, verse 31 says, Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Now, this is Old Testament. Thank God we are under a better covenant based upon better promises, and we are under the law of grace. But in the day and in the hour that we live in right now, God is still searching for intercessors. He's still looking for men and women that would lay down their lives and stand in the gap via the prayer of intercession. Now, in talking about spirit-led prayer, I first want to say that the way that we enter into the prayer of intercession is, first of all, we answer the call to prayer. We look at the condition of our nation or our city or particular maybe our family and we can see that these things need prayer. They need intercession. And so therefore we go into the presence of God and we do what Isaiah, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says. We get into the presence of God and we stir ourselves up. We take a hold of God and by an act of our will we say, I'm going to pray about this situation. And, and that's a good way to start 
to enter into the call to prayer and the call to intercession. And what I used to do when I first began to learn how to pray is, I would do, of course, what the Bible says. I would go into my closet, I would, I would shut the door, and I would seek the face of God. And the way I learned is, I would go into prayer and I would take a list into my prayer closet and I would write down all the things that I saw needed prayer. I would write down people's names, I would write down situations, I would write all these things down and I would bring that list with me into the prayer closet. Specifically, I took a hold of 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4, and I specifically, especially prayed, first of all, for our leaders. Why? Because the Bible says to do that, first of all. I'm going to go ahead and read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 to you. It says, Therefore, the Apostle Paul said, I exhort that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made, he said, for all men, and then he goes on to say, for kings and all who are in authority. Why do we need to pray for kings and all that are in authority? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what I did was... I went into my closet, I had my list, and at the top of my list, I would pray, first of all, for the President of the United States. Now, I live in the United States of America. What that would translate to you is, maybe you would pray for your king, or you would pray for whoever is in authority, and you would mention that person's name before the throne room of grace, Hebrews 4.16. And that's what I would do. And the reason I would do that is because that's what the Bible says to do. And I prayed like that for several months. And I just continue in prayer till one day the Holy Spirit said to me, said, Margie, he said, the same way that you're led by my spirit in everyday life, he said, I want you to take that leading of the Holy Spirit and I want you to take it into the prayer closet. Now that's what I call, listen to me now, spirit-led prayer, where the Holy Spirit knows the needs and he knows exactly what needs prayer first. Oftentimes we just look at all the needs around us and we go, okay, that needs prayer, that needs prayer, this needs prayer, that needs prayer. And, and if we just stay on that level, so to speak, we'll miss some of the things that the Holy Spirit wants us to pray for that are of a necessity. Now, notice the scripture says he's searching and seeking for intercessors who would stand in the gap. The fact that you're in that prayer closet and you're saying, I want to be an intercessor, means that you can be, Isaiah 56, 7, a house of prayer that God could flow through in, 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 in a supernatural way. Okay, so when I heard him say that, he said, I don't really, it's not that bringing a list into the prayer closet is wrong. 
he said, but, but I just want you to avail yourself more unto me and open yourself more up unto me like you would if you were a speaker or a preacher. You know, the Bible says a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So, for example, if you're a speaker or a minister, you have everything planned what you want to say, but what we want to do as leaders in, in, our, in our ministry, public ministry, is we want to allow the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct us and just minister supernaturally out of our spirit. Well, the same thing can happen, listen, in our prayer closets. We can be led by the Spirit, supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, and pray about things we didn't even think to pray about. And for me, that's when it, for me, praying is fun. But there's another level of fun praying. That's when it becomes even more fun, where you have the Holy Spirit rising up inside of you, and he is anointing you to pray about a particular person, place, thing, or event. And listen, so you can be more anointed or less anointed to pray. Just like as ministers, we can be more anointed or less anointed to preach. Either way, our prayers work when prayed in faith. Either, where, either way, our preaching works because we're preaching the word. But there can be times in your prayer life where you sense the tangible anointing of God. The scripture that comes to my mind is Psalms 92.10. He said, my horn will you, you exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I will be anointed with fresh oil. And what I believe God is doing is you're listening to these teachings. I believe he is anointing you with fresh oil. The Bible says in, in Isaiah, stir up the gift of God that's in you, or Timothy. You know, there is, a, there is something about hearing the word of God on prayer and hearing the word of God on intercessory prayer specifically where it stirs you up. And then he can anoint you with fresh oil. So the spirit of God said to me, Margie, I just want you to be led by my spirit. Not all the time, but be open to be led by my spirit in the place of prayer. Romans 8:14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He sees the needs, he knows what needs prayer, and he knows how to get the job done. Now, I'm going to give you a really quick example because this is coming up in my heart. This is probably one of the most dramatic examples I ever had in my personal prayer time, but I remember going into my prayer closet and I remember specifically what that prayer closet looked like. Personally, I like to pray in a closet back in those days because back in those days, it helped me to discipline myself in prayer because prayer is a discipline. And in those days, I needed to shut everything out and I needed to shut in with God. I needed a dark place. I needed it to be without distraction. Now, in this stage of my life, because I'm developed in shutting down and shutting in with God inwardly, I can pray in an open room and still be in that place of prayer where I'm focused in on Jesus and my mind isn't distracting me as much. But I remember that closet. I remember going into that closet. I remember I was beginning to learn how to let the Holy Spirit lead me in prayer 
And I remember as I began to, I prayed a few things in English, and after I prayed a few things in, in, in the Word of God for my requests that I had before God, basically, what I was praying for is I had a disabled brother. So when I went into prayer that day, I remember praying for my disabled brother. You know what I love about this? My disabled brother right now is in heaven. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I believe right now as I'm standing here teaching, my brother, Tony, is looking down from heaven and he's listening to me teach the word of God and he's cheering me on. And he's saying, yes, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. You teach the world how to pray. You go, girl. Um, but anyway, I went into prayer that day, and because of my brother's disability, he was the one that I prayed for in English because my mind just knew the need. So I took the word of God to his need, and that's what I presented before the throne room of God. And of course, I brought his name before God, and I prayed for him. And as I began to pray in tongues, I had a sense of something rising up within me. And what was rising up within you? The spirit of grace and supplication. I don't have the scripture reference in front of me, but the spirit of prayer was rising up within me. It was the Holy Spirit taking a hold of my spirit, and he was stirring within me, and I was compelled by love to yield over to that place of prayer and allow the movement that was within me, in my heart, to have expression out of my mouth. The Bible says that he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession according to the will of God. And the scripture goes on to say, at times it's with groanings, which cannot be uttered in articulate speech, amplified says, or your regular kind of speech. And as I entered into that kind of praying, I was a little surprised because I never yielded that fully over to the Holy Spirit in prayer. I knew what Romans 8 said. I knew that he was rising up within me. He was stirring within me. I knew the force of love that was coming forth out of me. I knew that it was something tangible and very different. And I knew instinctively that I needed to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I just, honest to God, couldn't even stop praying, couldn't even let it go. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He will never make you say, do, or pray, or yield if you don't want to say, pray, do, or yield. He is a perfect gentleman. But I am a house of prayer. You are a house of prayer. We have it better at Adam and Eve. He is within us. So when he was rising up, I decided as an act of my will that I was going to yield to him and allow him to make expression through me, even though my mind didn't comprehend what I was saying. The Bible says when a person prays in an unknown tongue, his mind is unfruitful, but God understands him. So in that moment, I was keenly aware that I was praying the language of heaven, even though I didn't understand with my mind what I was praying about. 
So I continued to yield to that spirit of prayer, continued to yield to the Holy Spirit. And the more I prayed in tongues, the stronger the burden became. Um, the more I had a sense of, I don't even know how to describe it, I was compelled by love to continue in prayer. I was burdened, and it wasn't a physical thing, it was a spiritual thing. You know, the Bible says, we've talked about it in our other teachings, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I had this burden right here on the inside of me. John 7, 38 says, out of your innermost being flows rivers of living water. The burden was not in my feet. The burden was not in my hands. The burden was not in my head. The burden was right here on the inside of me, in my heart, in my spirit, where God lives. So I yielded over to that place of prayer, and I did not know who I was praying for. I did not know what I was praying for. All I knew was, this is more real to me than a baby on the inside of my physical body. So at that time, it was either a Thursday or a Friday, I had things to do. As a matter of fact, to be a little honest with you, like what I like to do when I pray is I like to set goals, which I found out that that's not always good because it's, it's, you can be in works when you do that. And, and we don't, we don't want to pray grudgingly or of necessity or because of works. We want to pray because we love God, love his people, Want, just want to be intimate with God, and, and, and it's good to set goals. You know, the Bible says to, Jesus said to his disciples, could you watch one hour? I like to set goals in that regard because it is a discipline. But I just remember that particular day no, knowing that I had somewhere to go. So I came out of that prayer closet, and I was like, what just happened? There's something going on. And I, the, the burden, the prayer burden uh, was lightened when I left that prayer closet and I stopped yielding and so but I was keenly aware that even though I was going about my natural day and doing natural things and had to go to work and so on and so forth I was keenly aware that there was something living so to speak on the inside of me that was very tangible just as tangible as these glasses in my hand, something very tangible was right here on the inside of me. Now, where does God lead, guide, and direct, and speak? He speaks right here. So what I like to teach people is when you pray, you, what you want to do is you want to shut your mind off. Just let me finish before you think I'm new age. You want to shut your mind off, and you want to hook up to the inside of you because that's where God lives. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And, and I've learned over the years to check on the inside of me. And when I look on the inside of me, that's why the Bible says don't look at the outward appearance. You know, there is a realm of the Spirit that is more real than the natural. So when I would look on the inside of me, even though I left that place of prayer, I was very aware that there was a burden right here on the inside of me. I like to call a prayer burden like that a prayer assignment. So I just went my way, and then the next day, because prayer is a discipline, I like to tell people, make appointments with God and keep them. 
And so I had my appointment with God. I went into my closet, into my sacred place, shut the door and all the distractions, including the refrigerator and everything else that was out there. And I entered into prayer. And the minute my knees hit the floor, again, the Holy Spirit said, I sought for a man among them that would stand in the gap and put up the hedge. He knew he had found me, and he knew he could flow through me as the house of prayer. And as I entered into that place of, pr of prayer, the minute I, my knees hit the floor, that burden that was there that I was carrying started to get stronger and stronger and stronger and rose up, rose up, rose up, till I found myself in another place of prayer with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech or irregular kind of speech. Tongues was weaved in and out of there because it's the language of the Spirit. God understands the language of the Spirit. When Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he was uh, about to raise Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says Lazarus groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And then it goes on to say Jesus wept. And then he called Lazarus out of the tomb after he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and you hear me always when I pray. Obviously, that was a prayer. The groaning, even the tears was a kind of praying. This is the art of intercession. So when I entered into that place, I was back where I was, where I left off the day before. This is the beauty of prayer, spirit-led prayer. There is no time and no distance in the spirit. We live in a time, uh, a time warp, so to speak. We live in a time where you know, we have clocks and it's one o'clock, two o'clock. Well, in the realm of the spirit, there's no time and there's no distance. So even though I was praying the next day, it was <laughs> to God, you're just picking up right where you left off. And that's exactly how I felt. So I was in that place of prayer and I continued to intercede and pray, not knowing what it was for. And as I prayed in the Holy Ghost, what happened to me was, and I'm hoping this is going to happen to you because the more you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and the more you avail yourself to him, the more the gifts of the Spirit will begin to operate through you. No doubt about it. And also, the Bible says when you pray in, an un, in, when you pray in tongues, this is, the first, this is the nine gifts of the Spirit, not the tongues that everybody has. It's a whole other teaching. When you, when, you, when you speak in tongues, the Bible says, according to the nine gifts of the Spirit, pray that you may interpret. Now, I never prayed that I would interpret. It just happened that second day with that prayer burden. I was praying in the Spirit, and because of the place of yieldedness that I was, I found myself praying out of my mouth, out of my spirit. Listen now, out of my spirit, out of my mouth. It's a virus. It's a virus. It's a virus. I stopped praying, and I said to my head with my mouth, well, somebody's really sick, and I think they've got a virus. Are you listening? So uh, that was a clue into what I was praying about. Listen, listen, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in your body. And as you walk as an intercessor and as you yield to him, you, the two of you are one. And at times you will, you will unconsciously pray out the interpretation 
to what you are interceding for. And that's what I believe, I know, that's what happened that day. And that was the beginning of a journey where God began to do a lot of interpretation in my tongues. But anyway, I realized it was a virus. And I prayed like that for a while and went in and prayed in tongues. I didn't know who it was for, what it was for. I had no idea. Left that place of prayer, came out of my closet, said to my roommate at the time, I said, you know, something's just not right. And I said, something's not right, and I believe it's somebody in my family. Remember, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. An inner witness is one of the primary ways God leads, guides, and directs. The inner witness said, it just a knowing. What do you mean an inner witness? You know, the Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. It's just a knowing on the inside. It's, it's the voice of your conscience, which could be a good guide when you're a born-again believer. Something on the inside of me said, it's somebody in my family. I personally don't believe the Holy Spirit spoke that to me and said, so it's somebody in your family. I believe it was just my spirit picking up are you listening? Yeah. That it was somebody in my family. So I said it to my roommate. That was a Friday night. Friday night I went out. Saturday came. I didn't pray on Saturday because I generally, in those days, because I was still learning, I kind of took the weekends off in prayer because, you know, you go to church on Sunday and there's other things going on. That's why the Bible says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things can enter in and choke, yeah, the word, that's what the scripture says, but sometimes it can choke our prayer life. And there are things that need prayer that we need to, at times, lay aside those weights and lay aside those things and, and, and be open and available to prayer assignments, especially those of us who are called to pray and stand in the gap for our nations. So I took the weekend off, and it's Sunday morning about... Four o'clock in the morning, I received a phone call from my mother. And my mother, I picked up the phone, and, and she said to me, Margie, she said, John's baby, baby died. And basically, we were all shocked, of course. But my nephew was six months old. His name was John. And he, somehow, he contacted a virus and it attacked his central nervous system and they got him to the hospital and by the time he got to the hospital after all the treatment that the that John John Jr. received he went home to be with Jesus so I learned a very valuable lesson that day I learned that I had not prayed that prayer assignment through to victory that's why it's so important that I'm teaching this this particular series on the art of intercession because people don't understand the art of intercession they don't understand it's a name it it's not a name it a claim it pray for yourself it's the kind of praying that requires importunity it's the kind of praying where you you go to god and you're that vessel of honor and you're praying to him in the secret place and it is a kind of praying that it that requires importunity and you're striking against the enemy or sickness or disease Brother Hagen, Kenneth e. Hagen once said, some people will never be healed unless somebody prays for them. Why? Because, because they've got too much doubt, 
too much unbelief, and you as the intercessor, you come in and you lift that up off of them so that they can see the truth of God's word that says, I want you to be healed, you know, et cetera, et cetera, on healing. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.